Check out the latest episode. I talked to Rob Paulson. He is one of the most prolific voice actors of our time. You may recognize him as Yakko on Animaniacs and also as Pinky of Pinky and the Brain. He is also a huge hockey fan like me. We talk about the Red Wings a little bit, but that will be a whole other show. He is also a cancer survivor like me, and he is the Head and Neck Cancer Alliance official spokesperson for next year in 2020. So check it out. This is such a great interview. Here he is. Thank you for taking the time to chat with me today. I very, I very much appreciate it. Oh, I'm I'm excited. We Good. have a, we have a lot in common. Cancer survivor. I didn't grow up in Michigan, but That's uh, okay. I play hockey. I was refing last night, and that kind of what? I know. I no yeah. And are you? Where are you? In Petoskey. Oh my God! Oh my God! I know, one right? Of my, one of my favorite places on earth. Oh my God! I <laughs> the only place I know that has its own stone. I know, but right? <laughs> I, I love Petoskey. In fact, I was um, I was in Detroit all last week. I did a TED talk and a bunch of uh, uh, interviews <clears throat> in uh, in Detroit. Which, by the way, I don't know how much time you spend in Detroit. I was born there and lived in that area until I went to high school in Grand Blanc, and then my parents had a summer home in Grayling. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, so I spent my every summer in northern Michigan, northern lower Michigan, I should say. However. Um, Detroit is just gorgeous. It's, oh my God! Finally, <laughs> it's—I'm so proud of that city. And then I got to go to the uh, to uh, to see the Red Wings finally win one against Boston at um, at Little Caesars. Have you been to that? I have yet? not been there yet. I can't Holy wait to go. Smoke! It's gore- It's amazing. I mean, I, you, you could you like you go there and hang out, and then it's like, oh yeah, there's a hockey game here too. There are 18 different restaurants, all sorts of interactive hockey stuff. It's it's a great place. Um, so when you get down there, yeah, go see a game. It's pretty cool. But uh, yes, ma'am, I am pure Michigan and um, <laughs> grateful to be chatting with a uh, a fellow cancer warrior. Yes. Well, you know, it's funny. Uh, side story. Um, do you know who Jim Nill is? He used to be the assistant GM to yes. the Red Wings. So his wife has his wife had a. Well, she still has a breast cancer. So she invited me and another friend of mine to the Hockey Fights Cancer Night like several, several years ago. Yeah. And then we went to a game and it, was, it wasn't the joke because they're, they're in Dallas now. But I texted her. I'm like, hey, are you here? I, would, I just wanted to see how she was doing. It was my friend's birthday and we, we all went down there and I, I was just like, I just want to see you. I haven't seen you in a while. And she's like, "Hey, do you want to come down and meet any of the players after after the game?" And I was like, "What?" I'm like that was that was like, <laughs> but that was the cake. But seeing her was the icing on the cake. Isn't like, that great? You know what I mean? Like, I do I, know what you mean. If I just saw her and she said, "I gotta go," that would have been yeah. like the best day ever. I mean, for my friends, yeah. seeing the, you know, I it, totally get it. In fact, that uh, it just so happened it was just um, um, total. Luck of the draw. I was there on Hockey Fights Cancer Night as well. Nice, and nice. I, uh, they, uh, the folks of the Red Wings um, did really went out of their way to make me part of the uh, celebration. They interviewed me between periods, um, uh, you know, got me involved with a number of things. I, I've been involved with the Red Wings tangentially since, well, obviously, since I've been born because <laughs> right. my team, but... And I tell people today, this to this very day, when I cut myself, I bleed red. So, um, I uh, and Gordy has always been my hero, and I have wonderful, wonderful personal stories with, with respect to Gordy and Colleen Howe. But um, 
Yeah, man, it was fantastic when they said it. By the way, it's Hockey Fights Cancer Night. Do you want to say anything? I said, of course. Oh, yes. my God, that's what, I'm, that's what I'm here for. And so I... And also, uh, I am for the, the 2020 spokesperson for the Head and Neck Cancer Alliance, um, which I'm very excited about because the, some of the previous um, holders of that particular position were Michael Douglas and uh, Jim Kelly and wow. um, Michael Cooper and all these. And so they'd gotten these fancy schmancy famous people and they <laughs> looked at me and said, well, Jesus, with what you do for a living, maybe you'd be a pretty good um you know, spokesman for this particular type of cancer. So I'm very excited. And uh, uh, when I get a chance to talk to not only Michigan folks, but people who are so dedicated, uh, it's just an incredible thrill. So thank you, Mel, for taking oh, yes. the time. Thank you. Yeah, it's funny. My friends, I had two friends who were down in the game for Hockey Fights Cancer Night, and my friend and I were in the suite, and they're like, and I texted them, I'm like, what are you guys having, beer and pizza? I'm like, we're having steak and asparagus, and there'll be, there'll be cake later. Yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> That's the way to go see a hockey game. Exactly. exactly. Cool. But I, I don't know. A lot of people might not, they might not know your face, but they know your voice. They do. Um, I think it, 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 when, I, when I was younger, if I had said the following, it would have sounded arrogant. But now I think it's kind of practically true. I, I'm, I've been around long enough to where if people have had a television for the last 30 years, they pretty much heard my voice uh, and not just mine you know there are other folks but i uh, <clears throat> have been incredibly fortunate to um although i came to la ostensibly to do live action and music mm -hmm. and i was but the opportunity came to audition for animation and i jumped on it because i just wanted to work but it took me about five seconds to think oh my god this is the gig nobody cares what i look like i'm the, I, they don't care that i'm an average looking kid from grand blank i, I um, love i love the story in your book voice lessons about you had to choose between, was it Johnny Quest or another one or uh, Hill Street Blues? Yeah, well, what, <laughs> what happened was I was still auditioning on you know both sides of the camera. So my agent for TV and movies called and said, hey, man, they want to see you tomorrow at NBC for Hill Street. And I said, oh, God, what time? Uh, Two o'clock or something. I, oh, I can't. I'm doing Johnny Quest in the morning and Smurfs in the afternoon or something like that. And I remember clearly. Uh, his name is Mike Rosen, lovely guy. And he said, you're doing cartoons, but this is Hill Street. I said, yeah, but those are gigs. I mean, I'm booked. I got them. And, and I'll be working with Jonathan Winters and I'll be working with Hamilton Camp, all these wonderful TV actors. And I'll be getting paid well. And I'll be making residuals. Are you kidding me? So um, it was a really sort of happy accident that I was there. And as often happens with people um, in our line of work, uh, the idea is to put yourself in a position to get lucky. Exactly. You know what I mean? Um, you, I wouldn't have gotten lucky had I stayed in Flint. That's nothing against Flint and nothing against Michigan. I love it there. But for me to pursue what I wanted to do, and it was clear it wasn't going to be hockey, um, <laughs> I had to go to L.A. and um, and luck as I'm a living, breathing example, luck is when opportunity meets preparation. And I'd already been in LA for, I don't know, 10 years, um, eight years, had a lot of chops down. And when the pitch came right over the plate, I was like, oh my God, this is, I can do this and I can sing and I can do all my creative stuff and all the things I've worked on since I've been 15 years old that just make my soul happy. 
these folks want me to use it and get paid. This is this is crazy. It turns out 30 years later, it's the same gig. I'm going in today to do a new a new tune for Animaniacs and Mr. Spielberg's kind of to hire us again. And he doesn't give a shit what we look like. Yeah, exactly. And and so getting back to your original premise. Yes. um, Between Pinky and the Brain, Animaniacs, (laughs) Ninja Turtles, Jimmy Neutron, The Tick, The Mask. Fairly odd parents. Um, oh my God, I, I've had so many incredible opportunities, and and they're they're just they still present themselves arguably more because now I have a a legacy that young producers and directors coming up say I want to work with Rob because I love Animaniacs mm-hmm. or I love Pink in the Brain and that is an actor that I would can write something that works and i am enjoying this wonderful opportunity and it's the coolest now do you find because i was out in la for about 10 years do you find it Uh eight to ten years is about the time where somebody finally i don't want to say makes it but you know everyone everyone thinks like they go to la and they'll you know they'll automatically get a job and then you know are you an actor no i was in uh production post-production okay yeah it it's and my wife was a production coordinator and wanted to be a director and and then she decided she had enough and that was that but um, you know, honestly, Mel, I don't know that there's any hard and fast rule, but mind you, my experience is all in front of the camera, in front of the microphone. I'm a performer. Right. So the way I hustled for work was completely different for you. I, I had an agent, still obviously have an agent, who set you up with opportunities and off you go. When you're relegated to looking through the LA 411 or, um, you know, word of mouth and saying, okay, I'm done. I, I was a PA for two months on a movie, but I've been in Texas for two and a half months and now I'm back in town. You know, what's going on? It's, that's a tough gig. It is a tough and, gig. Um, and so, I'm, I mean, I know I'm preaching to the choir, but for me, it was about just going into audition with a hundred other people for the same gig. I was able to make a living in quotes um, within about five years, but a living is basically, you know, a, an apartment with, fewer cockroaches and a better quality ramen. I mean, it wasn't, but, but I never once felt sorry for myself because nobody shoved the gun in my mouth to be an actor. Exactly. I, I, I am, even when it sucked and it was really slow and dead and I'm thinking, who am I kidding? I, mm-hmm. I, it's a Tuesday afternoon and I'm sitting here in my apartment. Who the f- am I kidding? Um, and your parents were kind of like mine. Are you going to get a real job? Cause totally. I and I understand that, but I would mollify myself. <laughs> myself about 37 seconds to feel sorry for myself and say well who forced you to be here hush exactly not certainly not the people who love you the people who love you would have preferred you went the traditional route so either do that or shut up and i'm glad i stuck it out because i have to tell you at the ripe old age of 63 i am still as driven by the jones to perform as i was at 10 10 years old in livonia it is no different the difference is i have to make a lot of money to keep my lifestyle <laughs> funded, right. but the, the the excitement about the work that funds my lifestyle has never changed, Mel. And I think that that is a big part of the story. Yes. Um, and by the way, thank you for reading the book. I I, I uh, appreciate that. I I hope that you were able to glean from it that it's not about me. It's about the power of these characters. Oh, yeah. and ultimately, the power of literal joy that as you know as a cancer person holy shit i never knew until i was in my own time in the cancer cage 
the extent to which that joy that these characters brought others did the same damn thing for me. And it is powerful medicine. It is. Now, now tell me, tell me how you found out. Well, um, as you mentioned, I'm a hockey player. So Mm -hmm. unless I can't feel an extremity, uh, I don't get too bad out of shape about stuff. Typical guy and weekend warrior. And I played, you know, been played sports my whole life and you break stuff and you chip teeth and you break and shit hurts. So, but I don't think about it because it doesn't hamper my lifestyle. It just hurts. It's not a big deal. Okay. So I found, uh, I felt the lump on the left side of my neck that you could have felt easily if I put your fingers on it. And I had it for about six months. I thought, and I I looked at it uh, online and as you know, it can be anything from cancer to a low-grade infection mm-hmm. to a mosquito bite gone rogue, whatever. It could be anything. And I've learned that although I appreciate the Internet, it is it, it, it comes with an inherent responsibility to understand what you're reading so you don't freak out. So I didn't freak out. I chose to believe it was probably nothing. Um, finally, it was time for me to go to my yearly physical. And I went to my doctor and I said, hey, doc, what do you think about this? And Mel, five seconds, five seconds. He said, "Ah, not good, Rob. I'd known the guy forever. And I said, oh, yeah, whatever, whatever. He said, nah, if it were a low-grade infection, it would be soft. This is a knot. And um, does it hurt? No. That is also not necessarily good. Mm -hmm. Um, And within about three days, it had been biopsied and blah, blah, blah. And it was uh, stage three squamous cell um, metastatic squamous cell carcinoma with a primary uh, the original tumor was not easy to find but the area to which the cancer had spread was this lump I mentioned and that's why it was stage three um, so after you know my doctor called and he said how are you feeling and I said I don't know how am I feeling he said, well it's cancer <laughs> and um, the uh, but I have to tell you what they told me at the beginning and that's why I'm so glad to be a spokesperson for the head and neck cancer thing because now I not only have a sense of empathy but like you I'm an expert I'm a lay expert in my particular form of cancer and I can help right Um, but they were very clear they said look uh, we're virtually sure we can cure you like 80% I said oh shit I'll I'll take those odds all day Um, however and that's that's where they get your attention yeah and I said what and they said well we're not going to cut on you that's changed but before we cure you, we almost have to kill you. I mean, it's really, it's, it's going to get your attention. Um, we're going to do chemo and radiation concurrently for a few months. Um, and because it's your throat and your neck, uh, it it's affects everything. Speaking, right. swallowing, drinking, eating, <laughs> throwing up, everything is going to be pretty miserable for a while. Um, and they were dead straight about it. Um, they said, we expect you to lose 25 to 30 pounds. I lost 50. Ooh. Um, best diet I, ever, though, right? I'm sorry? Cancer was your best diet ever, right? Boy, no shit. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> and forgive my swearing. I, no, you're I, good. I, no you're kidding. Old hockey player. Um, <laughs> I said, uh, yes, it really was. It, it, it was, um, I, I, well, I, I, I learned an also valuable lesson, and that is that depending upon the... Um, uh, cancer doctor, depending upon your oncologist, with this particular cancer, they 
more than 50% of the time decide that the patient should have a food tube. Oh. Precisely because 50 pounds is too much, especially for a guy like me. I was, I'm, I'm athletic. And when I was diagnosed, I was young. I was still not young. I was 60, but I was, you know, in good shape. I was a buck, I don't know, a buck 70, maybe a few pounds overweight, but not pre-diabetic or anything like that. No, non-smoker, not a heavy drinker. So what they, they said, look, if we don't have to cut on you, we know that your, um, your, um, um, Oh gosh, what am I trying to say? Your ability to fend off diseases will be, uh, your immune system will be compromised right. for a while. So if we don't have to cut you open, even to plug you up to a food tube, we prefer not to. So we suss you out. You got a great attitude. You're in great shape. Um, you're strong. We're not going to put the food tube in. We think you can do this without it. And But I lost so much muscle mass because if I'd lost 25 pounds, I'd have been fine, but 50 was too much. And, um, so I'm okay now, but I'm only, uh, I only, I'm up at one, I'm a 145. So I'm still about 30 pounds less than I was. Oh, wow. Um, I'm fine, but it's Rob 2.0. It's just different. I don't taste <laughs> food the same way. Sometimes right. I don't taste it at all. Um, they told me we're not sure, you know, obviously I was concerned about my gig because I was working like crazy. And well, yeah. As a, earlier nobody cared what i look like so i can work until i die and um they said well frankly our job is to save you whether or not you can do what you do at the same level and sing with the same range we don't know the good news is the tumor is not on your um vocal cords it's at the base of your tongue and they found it but they almost had to take a rototiller in there to find it It was very Ooh. deep in the tissue it's pretty brutal actually um but they found it and treated it, and I'm fine. I am not the same, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's worse. There are things I wish that I could do like before, but honest to God, Mel, the gift of empathy and the ability to, to when someone says to me, oh my God, this is really hard, and now when I hold their hand, either metaphorically or literally sitting next to them. And I say, right. I get, it. I do get it. I really get it. And I feel way more able to help. Um, nice folks like you give me opportunities to do this. And as you know, better than I, because of your wonderful podcast, we never know than just then we never know when just by our examples, we're going to make a difference in someone's life. Exactly. And, that is precisely, ultimately, the gift of this experience, the gift of cancer. I, I am now a much better steward of being a human than I was before. I agree. Because I wasn't a nice guy. I've always been a pretty decent guy. i got no reason not to be. But I now am a more complete human, and I can help. And I just I can't get enough of it, Mel. It's fantastic. It is. I agree. It's, it's something that you never think you would do, honestly. Exactly. Exactly. And it's this wonderful surprise. And obviously, look, man, I haven't shut up since we've spoken. <laughs> and, and that's both, you know, sometimes a curse for people listening. But for me, it's a blessing because um, I'm often in a position to talk to what others really want to listen because they're a little freaked out. And oh, I yeah, can I say, can... all right, here's what you're going to go through. And I'm willing to chat with you and ask you and answer questions. But just let me give you the 411 on how it shook out for me. And 
you can do this. There are going to be times where you're thinking there's no freaking way that I can make this mm-hmm. through one more day. There just isn't. I can't do this. I can't eat. Every time I throw up, there's nothing. And I feel like I'm sm- breaking my ribs every time I, you know, try to throw up. It's impossible. But then you do. And and so I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm like you. I'm just grateful. Now, do you find everything tastes like metal or you don't have any taste at all? Not anymore. Um, the metal issues were more with respect to the chemo. Um, right. I'm, uh, I don't have that anymore. What I have now is not being able to taste much of anything. Oh. Um, I, uh, I go through periods where I'll be able to taste something. Oh, that's good. And then I'll go back the next day and try that again and it won't taste the same. Um, it's just part of the deal and I've learned to accept it. Uh, honestly, you read in my book and um, the, the examples, uh, my little buddy Chad is the metaphor, oh, yeah. but the example, the examples in the book, um, there are countless examples, Mel, that I got to have before my time in, with cancer that set me up to deal with it. Um, as I mentioned, so often these parents keep in touch with me after their children die. And I never, 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 never will have to go through that. My son is healthy, married, etc. Um, we all know people personally, our own selves, and this consequence um, with respect to being touched by cancer. But when I, you know, I didn't get diagnosed till I was 59, 60 years old. Yeah. And so I then had people, when they found out what I'd been through, because we chose to keep it quiet, there's no reason for me to spread that out. Everybody's got their shit. I don't need to draw attention right. to myself. Um, and, but these parents would keep in touch with me and, and tell me how much Pinky or Raphael or Yakko or <laughs> yes. Carl or Donatello, are you kidding me? That, that how much it meant to you and your family or your child's been in the ground for 15 years? Are you kidding me? Uh, you're, you knew that your baby was never going to get out of that wheelchair. You knew it, uh, and yet you're making a fuss over the fact that Raphael called and made his last three years in this world wonderful. Uh, honest to God, Mel, how on earth do I quantify that? I know, so, exactly. Yeah, so it totally set me up, and now i got to say, I'm pretty proud of the book. It's not supposed to be the great American novel, <laughs> but it, it tells an important story in the context uh, of kindness and joy and courage and empathy um, and humor because it turns out that all those things like love come from the most unexpected places. I, I never, never knew how deeply people connect with Ninja Turtles or Pinky <laughs> or, or SpongeBob or Disney or whatever. Soldiers, you know, children, grandchildren, mm-hmm. parents, it doesn't matter. I hear it all the time and it's nothing short of astonishing and it's all utterly positive it's it's just incredible that is incredible and and you rebooted on hulu for the animania how about that yes now i have a giant bully pulpit the king of hollywood 10 years older than i says hey rob hey tress hey maurice hey jess you guys think we should do animaniacs and pinky are you kidding me (laughs) oh no (laughs) we shouldn't really come on people are gonna (laughs) lose their minds it's 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 wonderful because the fan base for those shows is exponentially larger than it's ever been. And um, those shows were brilliant as a result of Mr. Spielberg and Tom Ruger and the folks who wrote it 20 years ago. And the proof is in the pudding. It holds up beautifully. 
And so now with a brand new fan base who have their own children and sometimes grandchildren, uh, we've got these new wonderful ways to consume entertainment with the unabashed, unqualified, (laughs) unchallenged king of Hollywood who's running the show and says, hey, man, we could bring a lot of happy with this. And and we are. It's going to be so great again. Um, And Stephen understands the extent to which when like Maurice and I, who's the brain, and I go out and do a public appearance, I'm telling you something, Mel. Once people find out who we are, (laughs) they lose their you-know-what. I'm sure. I don't care if we're in a restaurant in Petoskey or if we're in a restaurant in New York. When people find out it's Pinky and the Brain at table 17, people come out from the kitchen, the wait staff, the management. They often have, you know, action figures of Ninja Turtles <laughs> on their awesome. desk in their office. I saw it from some of the Red Wing players. These kids are 25 years old. As soon as they find out I'm Raphael or Yakko, they, they go nuts. It's it's fantastic. And, and it is just joyful so yeah it's going to be um next year at this time there'll be a bunch of new episodes and it's going to be really fun to see how much joy that brings are they replaying the old episodes on hulu do you know they're all on hulu right now oh so it's it's a very interesting circumstance because for the first time in my life as a performer people will be able to watch um the original episodes of animaniacs and pinky and the brain of which there i think um, I don't know, 100, 150 or 180 combined. And they're all on Hulu streaming right now. But when the new episodes come out, people will be able to say, oh, this is my favorite episode of Animaniacs. United States, Canada, Mexico, Panama, Haiti, Jamaica, Peru. And they'll watch it. And then literally, as soon as that's done, they'll click over to a brand new one that's been, that was made six months ago. That's awesome. That is awesome. It's also, for the kids writing the show, it's terrifying because they're going, <laughs> oh my God. The bar is really high because the show, you know, stands on its own and it's powerful and popular enough to warrant a reboot with Steven. And now people are going to judge the, what I've written based on having watched, you know, a, an episode of, of Pinky and the Brain that won an Emmy 20 years ago. And then my episode is going to be on right now so they can watch it and A, B it. It's a very interesting time to be in this particular business it's 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 never been like this do they have the any of the original writing staff um no they actually decided to hire all new writers which was difficult because you know we we still keep in touch and um and i productions are family yes Mm -hmm. you know it's it's tough and um but they all get it it's right it's you know the nature of the beast but um you know when when um Mel Blanc was doing Bugs and Daffy and Tweety in the 70s and uh, late 70s, uh, early 80s. Um, A lot of those people who had written the cartoons and put them together. You know, he was working with Jack Benny in the 30s. True. So people that were putting together Bugs, Daffy and Tweety uh, in the 40s, 50s and 60s, many of them were passed away. But it's about the character. It's the power of those characters. And while I and it's even bigger than than me. And when I'm dead, if those characters are as powerful as Bugs and Daffy and Mickey and Minnie and, you know, uh, um, uh, Winnie the Pooh and all that stuff, they'll go on. 
Jim Cummings has picked up where a couple of other actors have left off and has been doing Winnie and Tigger and Taz for years. It's about the characters. It's not about the actors or just the writers. The characters become very powerful and iconic. And they're already on, I think, probably the third or fourth Mickey. And that is a very powerful franchise character. Oh, yes. So I have no illusions about me being a star. It's the characters who are the stars. And um, I'm grateful to be part of it. I will always be the original, and that is something about which I'm very proud. But my hope is that the characters continue to be so powerful that they inspire others. Ninja Turtles, I mean, my God, Mel, you're talking to 50% of the Ninja Turtles and one old guy from Grand Blank. And (laughs) talk about a bulletproof franchise. There are all sorts of thousands of artists, millions around the world, who are influenced by Ninja Turtles. And it's as powerful now, 35 years later, as it was when it came out. I know, I never got into that, but I think that was more of a boy thing. Maybe. Yeah, it, it is, but but it's so powerful. It is. Here, where I go, oh, man, and I'm talking about anywhere in the world, I could make the argument that there are places where the local, you know, fan, um, uh, what am I trying, the local nerd fan base, yes. even if I'm in Helsinki, might not necessarily know Brad Pitt, but they would know Raphael. True. Donatello or Leonardo. <laughs> it's crazy. And with the power of social media and Skype and the instantaneous nature of, of those things, it's it's changing exponentially. It's astonishing. I, I get recognized in Starbucks walking down the street, and I don't care if I'm in Houston or L.A. or New York or Flint. It happens now more than, way more than it used to, but probably three or four times a week. I was walking down. 8th Avenue in Manhattan a couple weeks ago for uh, the launch of my book and I had a guy walk past me and then he kind of ran and caught up with me are you Rob Paulson? And I said I am, are you with the IRS? <laughs> he said, well I just I'm a big fan and I said, how did you recognize me? He said, oh well, you know, YouTube or blah 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 and you know I'm a big fan of animation and one thing leads to another and your thing pops up a lot and I just didn't, you know, I'm not on TV right? but, but I've got you know, 30 million views of Yakko's world. So, you know, it's just different. It's always very flattering, very humbling. Oh, I bet. That's amazing. Now, what made you decide to write the book? Was it after cancer or? Yes, um, because I, I, um, I had had well-meaning fans and friends uh, because I really had a lovely career and continued to. Mm-hmm. Said, dude, you've got some iconic characters, man, and that, that was their word, not mine. Um, and I said, well, thank you. Well, you know, that remains to be seen. And, you know, see if they stand the test of time. And you know, they're talking about iconic in terms of the Simpsons and right and, and Looney Tunes. Those characters, the Simpsons, at the very least, are thirty years old, and Looney Tunes are seventy years old. So I, I appreciate the spirit in which the compliment is given, but that's not for me to decide. Um, however. I said, yeah, you know, that's cool, but I I really don't. The last thing the world needs is a celebrity memoir (laughs) from a non-celebrity. And and I'm not, and it wasn't false modesty. Right. I, like I said, I'm very aware of the creative nature and the collaborative nature of this gig. I don't draw, I don't write them. I'm just the actor. I'm good at my job, but I'm no more or less important than the storyboard artist. It's that simple. I get the glory because all I got to do is start 
talking like this and say, hello, Mel. And you do what you're doing now. And it is the most incredibly wonderful experience. And I think you get a kick out of it, but yes. not nearly as much as I do. And it's so cool. And I love it. So I'm very grateful, but I'm, and I'm very aware of how lucky I have to be in this position. However, once I had cancer and once I got through it and once I got my bearings, I thought, you know what, Rob, you got a book now. Because not only because you had cancer, lots of people have cancer, but not too many people have cancer that affect them literally where they, you know, where, where the breadbasket is. I mean, where the, 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 the axe with which you chop down the wood to feed your family. Um, your axe is your mouth, man. And you now, because you got through cancer that literally affected your livelihood, Right. You have an opportunity to share your story because it will get more attention because of not only the popularity of your characters, because what will happen and what started to happen is the book is filtering down. It's, you know, it's not going to be number one in the New York Times bestseller list. I don't care about that. What I care about is I get consistent interviews from people who are, who are interested who are cancer survivors, mm -hmm. who are professionals, and sometimes who are even fans. Not necessarily me, but they like Yakko or Pinky in the Brain or whatever. And that's important because then the word gets out and go, hey man, you know the guy who did Carl Weezer? I freaking love that character. Did you know that guy had throat cancer? And then you never know. The guy or the girl might read the book and say, oh my God, I was just diagnosed with ovarian cancer. Holy shit. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I've been told I've got, I was, they got it pretty early. Okay. You know what? I'm going to read that guy's book. You exactly. just never know. Mm -hmm. You might say to somebody, honey, I want you to read this guy, Rob Paulson's book. It doesn't matter that you don't know him. He got through cancer that really clobbered him and it's how he made his living. So between me and Rob, we can help you figure this shit out. Exactly. And that's ultimately what we're here to do. And that's why the book is important. Because it, it is an example of somebody who got hit right square in the middle of where they make their living in Hollywood mm -hmm. at a high level. And now they're back doing it with Steven Spielberg at a high level. And they have throat cancer. So it's, it's an, an example like, look, if this guy can do it, you can do it. Exactly. And that's why it's a now did, uh Now did they get everything? I know it said stage three, but. Yeah, they did. Okay, um, I mean, I'm, you know, I go to, in fact, I'm going next, tomorrow? No, next Tuesday for my uh, every six-week ENT mm -hmm. checkup. But I don't go, I don't need PET scans anymore. I got That's about good. half a dozen of them after my treatment. And um, they basically take a look, you know, palpate your neck and stuff like that. And, and that's it. Um, but, you know, I'm so excited about the, the head and neck cancer lines because Jim Kelly, I, you're being a sports fan, mm -hmm. you've probably seen, you know, Jim really took a beating um, and um, and still is. His cancer came back and they told me that if after we beat the shit out of it with radiation and chemo, if it does come back, it's it's not good. Ooh. And um, Jim's had a part of his upper palate removed. Um, talk about a badass. Here's a guy who's a Hall of Fame four-time Super Bowl quarterback and you know what 6'4 250 whatever now he's 6'4 and about a buck 70 but man 
that guy's out there every damn day preaching the gospel of, of that you can do this. And he had this gig before me. I am so looking forward to meeting that man because it's not about football. It's about, you know, it's like me. It's about life. Is, football is the platform. Showbiz and animation is the platform for me. And to the extent that, in my case, maybe younger people will get a little, you know, will, will get, pay attention. And I can say, look, there are ways you can prevent this and help yourself before you get to my age. And that, I think, is another reason they enlisted me, because yes. I'm, I'm going to be able to attract a different audience of possible cancer patients. But that's, you know, like you know, you knew, you know because you've been there, that hockey fights cancer, it wasn't about the hockey it was about those sweet kids mm -hmm. who had spent a year in radiation and a year in, in chemo who skated out to the on a, onto the ice. God bless them. To see Dylan Larkin pat those little kids on the head. And that that's what that's what you know, hockey was the ostensible reason for people to be there. But when those sweet kids and they, they give them a little lead up, you know, the, this is little Johnny, he was in chemo for a year uh, yeah. at Children's Hospital. This is Jeanette. She had chemo and radiation. And she lost her left arm, but she's here. And she's 11 and skated out onto the ice. That's what it's about. That's the, Those are the tough ones. And um, it's it was just, it's just, I cannot get enough of it. I know, we're not it's, as tough as they are, those kids. Right? No kidding. Hockey schmocky. I've had my nose broken. It's not even close to what I, to what I went through with my treatment. No. Not even close. You go ahead and break my nose. I'll handle it. But that that treatment, and I was fifty nine. If I had to go through that and hold my little eight year old's hand, that, I, honest to God, I don't know how people do it. I Me don't either. know how you do it. And and they do it every day. Right now, you and I are having this lovely chat, and it's it's important. But right now, somebody in Petoskey is getting a phone call about their eight-year-old. Mm -hmm. Somebody here in LA is getting a phone call about their 12-year-old. And the news will be that your eight-year-old or your 12-year-old, we're gonna do our best, but right now we're not sure what the outcome is gonna be. The odds are not good. We're gonna, we're gonna give it our best shot. And that's happening right now. Mm -hmm. And I know that. So if there's ever an opportunity where I can help or chat or someone like you is nice enough to ask me my opinion, bring it. It's, the, it's just, this is exactly what we're put here to do. So will you be doing anything during, uh, as your spokesperson to the Oral Head and Neck Cancer Awareness Alliance? Will I be? I mean, will you, you be, will you be speaking? Around? Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I don't really begin my tenure until 2020, but right now they're putting together a bunch of different speaking things and um, I'm able to tie it into my own personal appearances when I go to sign books. Um, uh, and I talk about it in all my interviews now mm -hmm. and, um, people can check it out. It's, uh, hnca.org, head and neck cancer alliance.org. And, um, it's great. Um, we all have can cancers, you know, that are sadly, there are all sorts of different ones and it doesn't really matter to me whether it's, uh, head and neck, uh, malignant melanoma, mm -hmm. breast cancer, ovarian cancer, testicular cancer. I don't care. If my story draws attention to anyone's just like yours, then it's worth it. Exactly. And I've had people yeah. where 
I tell them, if you're not sure, if you don't like your doctor, you need to see another one. You need to fire your doctor. That's what I did. And and I've had people, they're like, you know what? I have a friend who's a casting director and he's like, he was on my show and he said, you know what? I fired my doctor because they weren't listening to me. It's like people, there you go. people kind of forget they work for you. It's like. Damn well, right. Well, and, and I, when I, um, I, I had to learn a lesson. Mm-hmm. I had a, uh, my, the ENT who diagnosed me, world-class Super, you know, 18 different, I think in the book I say he's got 18 different plaques on the wall. Right. Stanford, um, you know, uh, uh, Harvard Medicine, all that. And and he is. However, he's, he's not a particularly good people person. And um, when I had, you know, as probably you did, I had a um, half of that, well, four or five doctors mm-hmm. who became part of my team, radiation oncologist, traditional oncologist, uh, ear, nose, and throat, yes. internist, you know, all those folks. Um, and after I got done with my treatment, went for my first um, uh, head and uh, CT cat for my head and neck. And they told me now the area that we treated will probably light up. And it almost always is nothing. It's just residual heat from mm-hmm. where the, you know, we zap you for two months every day. Um, so it did, it lit up. And the, and the, of the four doctors, the general con- the consensus from the three of them was it's nothing. However, the ENT to whom they all would defer because he was the doctor who discovered it and right. diagnosed it, they deferred to him. So he said, I really think we should, we need to do another biopsy to make sure. And I thought, oh, Jesus, are you kidding me? Because as I mentioned earlier, um, the biopsy that found the initial tumor was really tough. Right. They just, I mean, they took a, a leather punch and just got a whole bunch of samples, a lot of which were clean, and then they found the, the dirty one. So I thought, oh, my God. But I'd already started gaining weight back. I lost 50 pounds, and I said, okay. And it turned out to be nothing. I lost all the weight I'd gained because I couldn't eat again. Right. And all the tissue that had been, you know, when they first found the cancer, it was before it had been irradiated. So now they took the, the tissue where the cancer had been, had all been zapped for two months. So now it didn't heal the same way. And they went ahead and did that very invasive um, biopsy again. And every one of the other doctors, you know, when I pushed them, they said, look, we have to defer. It's up to you. We don't think it's anything, but he's the doc. Right. And and while I understand, I just said, you know what? Moving forward, I think I'm moving on. Um, no offense. You're obviously good at your job. I appreciate it. But I'm willing to take a little bit of a risk now. I, I can't go through that again unless you can give me a compelling reason. I mean, an, or unless... Three of the four of you say, yeah, you got to get this done. That's different. But when I had three of the four of you saying, it's nothing. I, 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 it, it was awful. And it was awful the first time. It was awfuler because the, t- the tissue is, is, is so different now. Right. And so, yeah, I agree. It's not, and it doesn't even have to be personal. That's, say, that's you know not. What? I don't feel right about this. It's time to move on. Good. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. They don't know everything. And, and it's not. It's not taking the piss out of them. It's not being disrespectful. It's saying you got one shot at this whole life, 
and you need to be comfortable with your choices. And if in my condition or in my experience, I'm willing to say, you know what, uh, I, I know what I'm dealing with now. I know I can take a punch, but you got to let me know that this is really worth beating me up again. Exactly. Because it's, it's too difficult to get through. Exactly. See, I'm glad we're, we're on the same page, almost mm -hmm. on everything. And the Red yeah. Wings, what's, what's happening with them, seriously? But that's, that's a whole other show, I think. Honestly. Totally. But I'm good, man. I just had a, my wife, I just took her today. I just, she was uncomfortable today for her mammogram. So I went with her mm -hmm. and, um, she said, I'm sorry, honey. I just, she had breast cancer 20 odd years ago. Oh. And she sometimes gets a little nervous. And I said, well, yeah. no, I get, and I said, I am not, I am not nervous at all. I, as far as I'm concerned, it's gone. If it comes back, I'll deal with it. But I, I don't worry at all. Some people are different and I totally get that. Yeah, I don't My job is not to be cavalier. My job is to be who I am. And if I can help by my example or my counsel, then, man, I, I can't wait to do it. And you have been really kind, giving me a ton of time to chat about it, Mel. I really appreciate it. Yes. Now, how can we get a hold of your book? Because that's out now with your Thank you. amazing yeah, you can go stories. to Amazon or any of the traditional places. I, believe, I know it's at Barnes & Noble all over the country. Um, I presume at other bookstores too, books a million. Mm -hmm. It's um, as you say, as they say at your local bookseller, um, it's called Voice Lessons, How a Couple of Ninja Turtles, Pinky and an Animaniac Saved My Life. And once you read it, I think as Mel would um, agree, it's not hyperbole, they did. It's pretty cool. Yes, it is very cool. I hope you liked the book. I did, I did. Thank you. For sure. Thank you very much. And may I say, the brain says hello too. Sure. That was awesome.